What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Demand Excellence Podcast. I am your host, Coach Jonathan Guest, and my co-host with me today is Coach Ed Dudley, and we are interviewing Coach Tim Hardy, the head football coach at Greater Atlanta Christian. Coach Hardy has been there since 2012. He has had five state semifinal appearances. He has had two state final appearances. He has had over 40 kids sign Division I scholarships. And in 2015, he was named the AA Atlanta Falcons Coach of the Year. Have you guys ever sat down with somebody and within 20 seconds you just realized, this man is so much smarter than me? Well, that's how I felt today when I was talking with Coach Hardy. What an intelligent man, a man full of wisdom, a godly man. It's a great interview. You guys are really going to enjoy it. Before we get started, I want to plug my book, Demand Excellence on and Off the Field. It is now for sale as an ebook, and you can find it at elkafaster.com. That's E L C A Faster.com. Or pinned to the top of my Twitter page is, or my Twitter page is at Elka Football. It's a book that is about the struggle that I have, and I think a lot of men have, or a lot of women, a lot of competitive people have about pursuing Jesus Christ and pursuing winning, the struggle uh, that you have there, and I think you guys would enjoy it. But uh, Coach Hardy, want to thank you for uh, being on the podcast with me and Coach Dudley today. I know I learned a lot from you. I always do. have a tremendous amount of respect for you, and I wish you good luck this year, and I hope everyone out there enjoys the show. You have an interesting story in the fact that you were a college football coach at Wheaton before you began your high school football journey. Talk a little bit about coaching in college. I know you were the offensive coordinator. You worked your way up to the offensive coordinator. And then, and then you come into high school. Talk a little bit about that, what you learned, how it helped you, um, all that kind of stuff. No doubt. Well, First, uh, I just want to say I'm excited to be on with you guys. I love what you guys do. I love the coaching profession and uh, what it's about. I love how much coaches, man, just, just share. You know, we're on this journey together to try to become our best, and and uh, that's I'm honored to be a part of that. Um, yeah, so I went from – I coached 10 years in college, one at Center College in Kentucky and nine at my alma mater, Wheaton College, and uh, had the opportunity um, to uh, come to Georgia – uh, Jimmy Chuff, who had been at GAC and I recruited his sons and they played for me at Wheaton, uh, became the 80 at Mountain View High School and, uh, gave me the opportunity to become the head coach there. I grew up in North Carolina. My wife was from Savannah. So it was a little bit of a come back home and our kids were young and it just made some sense. And to say I went from college to high school wouldn't be really accurate when you're starting to starting a high school football program with mostly freshmen. I don't know if it's quite high school football, but uh, somebody asked me what I missed. You know, we were just sort of brand new field, brand new everything. And I said, man, I miss turf and 22 year olds. That's what I miss more than anything else. Uh, we're dealing with young bucks. Uh, I remember my first spring practice and for us, it was t-shirts and shorts. We didn't have any equipment yet. And we were at the uh, Gwinnett County park, rabbit Hill park. Cause we got like an old soccer field. We could host it at school. Didn't have fields yet. And we did high knees and then we did karaoke. 
And I was at a crossroads, right? And the crossroads was, do I get my truck that I see right there and turn around and drive back to Chicago, right? Because <laughs> Chinese was because Carol was so bad. Or do we literally break this thing down? We decided we were going to go slow. And so we spent 30 minutes working on karaoke that day. That was not in the plan, trust me. <laughs> but we were that uh, coordinationally challenged, I will say, and go from there. And so that was just an awesome experience just to go and sort of work and go through. Um, I say starting a program is something everybody should do once. I personally wouldn't re-up for it again, but it was, it was a fun experience. Um, but I think the thing I realized pretty quick is ball's ball, man. Ball's ball. And so there's some things that are super duper similar in terms of motivating kids and and where they are. Obviously, if you're dealing with a more mature person, you connect with them a little bit differently. Uh, But but players want to be pushed. They want to be coached. They want to be challenged. They want to know that you can make them better. And I think that's both through personal relationship that you care about them. And then also I can actually give you some valuable input um, and, and go from there. I will say when I when I came to high school coaching, I discovered the day of the week called Saturday. And oh my, is it glorious? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, worst, the, the worst thing about coaching college football is that you're coaching college football. You never watch any, you never get a break. You turn around, you're back in on Sunday, and it's just truly a seven day a week grind. Obviously, as high school coaches, we're watching film on Saturdays, and sometimes in the playoff, it gets pretty thick. But man, there's a lot of Saturdays. You watch your film in the morning and noon, and you go for a walk or go play with the kids or whatever, just a little more balance at the high school level. And I, I appreciated that, but there are a lot more similarities and there are differences. And uh, when you're around good people, good things happen. That's for sure. Yeah. Jim, uh, I'm going to interject right here and, and keep on the same theme. Give us one takeaway uh, X and O wise in the comparison between high school and college. So a lot of guys aspire to be high college coaches and they think, Hey, I'm going to go on and, and make this big jump. But you kind of made the family move and came back to high school. Right. Could you tell us something that you had to change in, in your game prep and, and in your X and O stuff that you did offensively as you came into Mountain View and then, of course, uh, the big success there at GAC? Yeah, I think there's a, a couple things. Um, the, the first thing I, I would say, and this is, I hope this comes across the right way, but um, there's a lot of times on Friday night that people are just doing junk that isn't very sound. You know, and uh, they're exposed in spots. They're blitzing three guys off the side and they got no answer for it to the other side. If you, you know, check the other way or blah, 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 or whatever it is. And I actually found it maddening because a lot of the things that we had done is like, all right, they're going to run, you know, one of these five defenses because it's sound and they're going to do that. We have different answers. And all of a sudden, guys, you know, there's three guys in the A gap. I'm like, that's not sound, you know. Well, tell that to the running back who's got to pick up all three guys, right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and, and so, and obviously, we're talking about, you know, there's, there's a variety of things you see. But at times, I think, as we aspire to, to the next level, at, at times, I think in high school football, you see guys rely on the Jimmys and the Joes a little bit more than the scheme. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, right? There's nothing wrong with giving the guy who can outrun everybody and go from there. But um, when you think about with college football, it's a lot more like that second, third, fourth round of the playoffs where it's like it's nip and tuck all of the time. Whatever level you're at, whatnot, is things are going to be really thought through. Stabs have a tremendous amount of time to think through and game plan for you and know your strengths and weaknesses um, and do that. And so I think guys who are aspiring to move up don't just think, hey, man, we just run this and I run, love to throw the nine route and it works all the time. Okay, what about when their Jimmy's better than your Joe? Like, what are your other choices? What are your other things? So I think that was that was something I got frustrated sometimes because of things that 
you know, we needed to spend all this time. I sort of stopped. I was wasting time on being too sound, if that sounds crazy, you know what I mean, right. um, and, and, and going back to that. Now, again, as you climb back up, you really get into it. Um, that's the case. I know, you know, as you guys have experienced, when you get down to those, those nip and tuck kind of games where your season's on the line, you better be sound as you can. Sometimes we all get lulled to sleep maybe in September and October. Um, we're going to need that in November and December. Um, I think that's the key piece. I think the other thing, too, is just being realistic with what your guys are, are capable of doing. Um, man, you think about, I had, I had a guy, uh, one of the college coaches that are, you know, um, spring practice this year. And we have two really good tackles, Miles Hinton, you know, six, seven national, whatever. And we got a rising sophomore kid, Addison Nichols, who's six, five, and will be a army all American kind of guy, you know, and our guards are both, you know, five, ten. you know what I mean? And the guys is like, man, that's high school football. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You got that and it's blended back together and it is what it is. Um, but f- figure out how to manage all of those things, even schematically. Right. Um, and being really wise in what your quarterback can do. I will say the field, it doesn't feel like much, but playing on, you know, the, the short side game that exists in the collegiate game is really nice. Just the width of the hashes really makes it hard to do too much into the boundary when you're on the hash in the high school football. Um, whereas college, it's not NFL with the balls in the middle, but you can have some nice short side passing concepts and boots to the boundary and things like that, which in high school, it can get, can get a little tough sometimes to do that. So that'd probably be a couple of the key things I pull up. Coach, talk about the success that you've had at GAC. I think ever since you've been there, you have done extremely well, been in the state championship game two times, um, you know, making runs in the playoffs year in and year out. What are you doing uh, specifically um, there at GAC to continue to have success year in and year out? Yeah, I mean – I'll give you the generic answer, because, but it's it's the true generic answer, and I'll get more specific. The first thing is obviously, you know, we're blessed to have an outstanding school that starts with the vision of our administration and what our school stands for. It's Greater Atlanta Christian School. That's not just a moniker. Uh, the spiritual atmosphere here is, is purposeful and meaningful, and that's um, a huge reason why I love being here. That doesn't mean every one of our families and our kids um, are committed Christian kids, but they, they embrace the environment. I just love the opportunity um, to, uh, for that to be part of my job description, right? It's not an addendum like, oh yeah, you can teach them character stuff, but really we're trying to see them grow as people and grow as young men. And, and, you know, we've got resources in terms of, you know, facilities and we're fortunate to have good players and, and all those kind of things. And so that's, that's a big piece of it. I think what, what we've been able to do with our coaching staff is really build uh, consistency in our culture. And obviously culture is a hot word to, to me. It's just we're consistent in the expectations we have for our players, um, and they're consistent in upholding those and upholding them with each other. Um, I don't know about you guys as a coach. I just love basically to hear our players talk the same, you know, to hear them use the same language of how we treat each other, of the way we practice. Of, no, no, that's not what we do here when, a, when a, maybe a new kid or a ninth grader comes up, those kind of things. I think that the consistency of our culture, whether it's our work ethic in the weight room, whether it's just a positive approach to encouraging the people that are around them. Uh, we had a young man move into our school uh, this, this year, and it was so cool to hear him. Uh, I heard him sort of talking uh, to, to a friend uh, who, who, who I knew that was, that was on campus, and he said, man, everybody here is just positive. Like, I screwed up the first day, and they, they told me how to do it right. They didn't yell at me. 
and, and those kind of things. And none of that's unique to our place, but I think we're very specific in how we try to create an environment that, that is positive and kids can thrive in. Um, I really believe in the positivity piece, not fake positivity, not everything's good. I'm, we shouldn't say great unless it is. Um, but man, all of us can, can get pushed and, and get challenged in a good way. I was just reading uh, this week. I don't know if you guys have read the book. I, I'm a couple years behind in reading it, but the book by Angela Duckworth, Grit, which is just an awesome, awesome book. And she cites a study. It was so cool. I try to re- recite it quickly. But basically, they had like a thousand middle school kids and they all wrote papers. And this, they were legitimate assignments for class. And what they did is the teachers marked them up, you know, their English essays, you know, with corrections and whatnot. And half of them had a note on them. And the note said, I gave you these corrections uh, so you could fix them. Okay. Legitimate, right? That makes sense. That's fine. The other half said, I gave you these corrections because I, ha- I have high standards for you and I believe that you can meet them. Okay. So subtle, but like, hey, man, you could do something great. And then all of these students had the opportunity to turn the papers back in for a better grade. Didn't have to. Of the first one that just told, hey, you need to make these corrections if you want to, got 40% of them turned in. On the other side, over 80%, just by saying, I believe you can do better than this, let's go do it. Over 80% did. And just, just to me, those things are cool. Like it matters how we frame it with our players right. um, to get the most out of them, and it fits. And so we're trying intentional to, to build that. So I, I, I'd point to that, Coach. Awesome. Jim, thanks for that uh Thanks for that positivity speech right there. Uh, a lot of people don't know that uh, you're a real expert in strength and conditioning as well as the offense. What, uh, what's something, what's the best practice you're doing this summer to get your guys ready to play on Friday nights in the fall? That's a good, good question. I think there's, there's a number of things when you, when you think about program and whatnot. We're fortunate here to have two great strength coaches, uh, Richard Burnett and Leo Burks, both do a great job. Uh, Gary Schofield is our strength coach here for a long time and just really built the program. These guys have, have carried it forward and, and do, do great work. Um, and I think part of it is this, is looking at the total picture. And so sometimes we think, hey, it's lifting weight. All right, that's a portion of it, right, my strength. How can I apply that to the field, right? So, so the power piece, uh, obviously the speed component. But so much, I think, one of the areas that we really focus on this year is we're focusing a lot on the nutritional piece. So that's both the continual hydration and that, that following back up after that workout with a great meal, with a large dosage of protein, with the ability to maximize what I did, and then to eat well into the next workout so that I'm prepared. I don't leave things blank. I'm purposeful throughout the day, not just what I eat after practice, but in a normal school setting, what I eat for breakfast and during the day, go from there. I mean, the other thing that we've really tried to do a better job of monitoring and following is honestly their recovery. I mean, if you read a lot about strength conditioning, sort of the, the, the next frontier is recovery. So that sleep, not just quantity, but also quality that you have. And just, man, just time off your feet. How much, how much can you recover? So we're all going to work hard. But how well can I recover? How purposeful can I recover? And go from there. And sometimes that's counterintuitive. I know it's counterintuitive to me. Um, I'm still a little bit more is better, more is better kind of thing. But we've really found as we are wise and, and go for you know, monitor those things. For us, the best thing we do is we monitor them. We use a product called Kinduct, which is a monitoring app uh, that we contract with all of our players have on their phone. And so every morning during the school year, 
uh, in homeroom, they get a little buzz and they have to fill out a five question survey that says, how much did you sleep? Um, we measure hydration briefly in an easy way that can handle measure some, some caloric intake. And then we measure like the stress, like, man, it's a crazy week. I've got tons of, uh, tons going on. I've got three tests. My girlfriend broke up with whatever. And so we get a picture of where these guys are all the time. And the one thing we ask is they tell the truth. So if you stay up to 3 a.m. playing Fortnite, it's not good, but I need to know. You know what I mean? Like, just be honest with me. I'm going to see it one way or another. And it's really cool to see that. And what our kids have said is, Coach, I go to bed because I know i got to tell you how much I slept. Coach, I eat a better breakfast because I know i got to tell you did I eat a big, small, or medium-sized breakfast. Coach, I drank another water bottle before I went to bed because I know i got to tell you how many water bottles did I drink yesterday. And so it's sort of that principle, if you measure it, you're going to do it. And so for us, we're trying to leave no stone unturned in those areas um, and, and work hard. But I think that's been a, been a key thing for us. So that, that leads to this question because Coach Dudley and I had a uh, little podcast we did at the beginning of the summer on delegation uh, because I was sitting there thinking, Coach, this, that's great stuff right there. And then I was sitting, and then my next thought was, I, I'd, I'd die if I tried to <laughs> manage all that. So, how do you manage that? I mean, do you do you make position coaches uh, communicate with them? I mean, how do you do that? Yeah, it's actually perfect. It's our strength coaches do it, so it's awesome. You know what yes. I mean? And so they do a great job. And, and for you know, all of our guys are taking a class. Um, or in a strength training class, and that, that comes. And then really it's pretty cool once we set up the app is it really just spits it out. And so what happens is all of the, that data comes back into the terminal for our strength coach. And so at 8.15 every morning, he gets a report on every single kid. And so he's sort of green if it's good to go, yellow if there's deficient in some areas, or red if he's deficient in a number of areas. And so he, we can go back and address, hey, what's going on here, man? Two years in a row, you haven't slept well, or why aren't you eating better? Okay, we had something, had a doctor's appointment, we had dropped my dad off the airport, or whatever it was. Okay, an exception. Those kind of things that follow. So it's really, really important that people other than just the head coach, offensive defense coordinator, are able to follow along and go from there. And then what I try to do is reinforce those things on a somewhat periodic basis um, and, and, and whatnot. But I really want them to take that and, and run with it much, as much as they can. What company is it that you use for this stuff? Yeah, it's called Kinduct, K-I-N-D-U-C-T. Kinduct. Kinduct. All right, your turn, Coach. And, uh, there's, there's a couple different ones out there, but they're, they're pretty good okay. um, in, in what they do. Yeah. Hey, Tim, you're coming off like the Albert Einstein of young high school football coaches here in Georgia. So I'm going to redirect the conversation a little bit. Um, you played, <laughs> I thought it was uh, be, man. Yeah, good old boy. Yeah, Get you, the good old boy out. Come on. Yell, yell that's that right. Come out of the slow and think. Let's do it. You, uh, you played and coached for the world-famous D3 coach Mike Swider. Give us a Mike Swider story or a Mike Swider takeaway. There are a lot of guys in Georgia that probably don't know Coach. Coach started out at the Westminster School here in Atlanta and uh, is an old workout partner of mine and, and is, was, a, was and is a tremendous man and incredible coach and motivator. Give us something uh, from the Swider file that, that might be awesome. a chuckle today. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. And again, as you guys know, man, we're all just a, a product of the people we've been around, right? And we just reflect back. Right. At times, I wonder, like, of all the things I say, like, what percentage of those are Coach Swider? I mean, it's, it, I don't know. Maybe fifty, maybe seventy. I don't know. I mean, it's unreal. Um, just, just, a, just a great, great person. But I, I've got so many great stories. But I think probably one of the first ones I think of is one of the early workouts. I'm there as a freshman, and uh, 
and and uh, you know we're there. I guess it was the off season, so it's an off season workout, and we're sort of early morning. So that means in Chicago, you know, it's probably negative something. You you trudge across campus into the pitch black dark. You get into a gymnasium, and now we're doing this, we're doing that, we're finishing probably some heavy gassers or something. It's probably right after spring break. Everybody's fat and out of shape from sitting around. And uh, and we had this guy, David Massey. David was a good defensive lineman or whatever, um, but the workout was not treating him well. I think he enjoyed a little too much fruitcake over the time. And so as we were finishing up, he's over there just just vomiting, right? Just all over, okay? And <laughs> Coach Swider, his take on it was this. He's like, look at Massey. Nobody loves it like Massey. Nobody loves it like Massey. He's just throwing up. Well, next thing you know, you look back over now Massey's done throwing up. Now he's finished the trash can. He's rolled away from the trash can. He's in the fetal position on the side, sort of slowly throwing up hair in the vomit. Uh, and like Swider, somewhat paying attention, somewhat not. It's like, you guys just need to love it like Massey does. And we're like, guys, we're all like, Coach, we're good, man. I don't think anybody loves it. <laughs> Massey loves it right now. I think he's unconscious. But uh, that's just sort of a silly story. But guys, so passionate. Um, about about who he is, not who he is, but what he stands for. Um, it's it's really really fun. I'm fortunate. I've got uh, two guys in my staff that both played at Wheaton. Uh, actually, while I was there, but as Coach Waters and the head coach, and and uh, you know, there's just something when you when you connect philosophically with other people makes it makes it pretty fun. Coach, um, talk about coaching, and I don't know if this is the first. Uh, son you've had that you've coached but I know your son's the quarterback he's very good what's it like coaching your son um you know at the quarterback position because that's a that's a critical position uh and it helps it helps you that he's really good and nobody can accuse you of playing your son because he's your son but um what's it like yeah yeah I mean they're you know, just like anything, there's some there's some strengths and, and weaknesses. The strengths far outweigh the the, the weaknesses or the negatives. Um, I say, I've I've talked to a lot of guys about it. So you know, saw some of these days coming and whatnot. One of the best guys talking to was uh, Lee Shaw, who obviously did it. And his kids were unbelievable players, both for him and obviously went on in college and whatnot. And one of the best things that Lee said is remember, uh, at some point they're going to be like 24 years old. And they're gonna, you're going to want them to come home for Thanksgiving to your house yes. or her house. You're going to want to make them choose your house. And there's moments, man, where you're just in it, you're grinding. It can be so much about ball um, that you've got to keep that perspective. Um, we've sort of gone through just being real transparent. So uh, my oldest son, Jackson, is going to be a senior as a quarterback. Uh, he's going to go to Richmond next year and play. Jackson's made it easy just because he's – um, he's awesome. He just is, he's all about it. Never once did he ask for a favor. Hey, can we do this different? Hey, can we do that different? Um, I just told him this. I said, call me coach on the field because I'm your coach. Call me whatever. And so even this year in spring practices, the first practice, he goes, coach. Well, and I turn and I look at him and I stood there for a second. I'm like, oh, you're talking to me. I forgot. You know what I mean? Like I just I was out of the rhythm. Yeah. That helped. It's made it easy for him. You're in the field. Somebody's going, hey, dad. Like okay, I'm not you. That immediately separates him from everybody else, and so he's he's made it easy and never tried to sort of get out of anything, get the inside. Hey, the guys are wondering if they'd ask me. He gets tired of the guys always want to know how much are we running after practice today. He's like, believe it or not, we don't talk about that at home. Okay, like my dad doesn't give me the game plan. He doesn't talk about conditioning. We just sort of sort of go. Um, 
but it's been good. But Jackson's earned his way. And uh, in the past two years, we sort of played two quarterbacks. He's rotated in and done what whatnot. And so I'll be honest with you, there's been moments where it's been challenging because some of his frustration has been <clears throat> with his coach. And God bless him, he can't get away from me. You know, I've right. coached the quarterback. I'm the offense coordinator. I'm the head coach. He literally can't get away from me. Right. And uh, there's there's some times, I think, as a, as a parent, um, it, it's challenging when you're part of the cause of your son's frustration. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but you also feel like, hey, this is where we are and this is what we need to do. Um, and you want to see them grow through it. So I think if you just set appropriate parameters, it's a great thing. Um, man, we've had a fun summer uh, going through seven on sevens and enjoying and talking. Um, the one you guys came here to, I don't know if you realize, he, he called like 90% of the plays that day. Wow. And I just gave him a wristband with a list and I said, just go, man. Let me know. There's a couple of times. My least favorite situation in seven on seven is like first to goal for two. All right. I run out of place. We don't, we're probably going to run it and we can't do that. In seven on seven. Right. Yeah. Um, so I helped him out there in the, in the nasty red zone a little bit because I get frustrated too. But um, we've enjoyed those things and it's just been fun. I think for coaches that get the opportunity to do that, I think just setting your kid up for success by making sure he's treated like everybody else. Um, he's not first in line for this. You're handing out the T-shirts and shorts, and he doesn't show up that day. And he's already got a pair. You know what I mean? And like, oh, you know, he gets in line like everybody else, does all those things, um, and it, it, it goes well. That's that's very cool. And having an opportunity to coach both my boys, there's there's nothing that'll ever replace that. It's uh, it's time that you'll never get back. Enjoy it while you've got it. It's gone too soon. Um, you know, Tim, there are a lot of there are a lot of different sides uh, these days here in the state of Georgia on uh, advantages and disadvantages that independent schools have, that city schools have, uh, that public schools have. Uh, I'm in a public school now. I've been in all three. Uh, you guys are in independent schools now. Uh, and I know the Georgia High School Association is working on some answers to answer some of the criticism on it. Uh, to me, I think that uh, every school has some advantages and every school has some disadvantages. Uh, but around the state, I think there's a, there's some statewide animosity towards some of the schools. What do you think the, the big answer is for not only Georgia, but for other states that are looking to balance out the competitive aspects of, of ISDs versus independent school districts versus, you know, big county districts versus mm -hmm. uh, private schools. Yeah, I mean, that's a, I mean, if we had the answers, man, let's sell it, right? <laughs> I mean, so I don't know. If yeah, we would, we would form answer. a committee and make some money, no doubt. Exactly right, exactly right. I, I think there's a, there's a number of things at play, um, obviously, that, that are there. I think um, I, I'm a public school guy. I grew up, went to a public high school. It's all I ever knew. Um, I was here, I was in, in, you know, Mountain View, a large 7A Gwinnett public school. Um, so I recognize I see that now. My first private high school experience has been the past seven years here at GC. So um, I can see, see both sides. Um, the interesting thing is if you trace it, really, and, and, and people don't want to say this, but if you trace success in a lot of these sports, um, it really is based off of resources more than anything else. So in a lot of that being financial. So if you look at the most successful school districts and even just say football, most of them have a strong financial backing. You may say, well, this county school is always good. That's not a rich county. Well, you may look and see how much money is allocated to that football program in that one horse county. And it's pretty significant. And you see that field house, and you see that stadium, you hear what the coach makes, what the booster club provides in his truck and whatnot. 
So in a lot of places, resources get things done, right? And so if you look around and see where, where that's the case, I think that's, that's a lot of it. Um, do independent schools, private schools in Atlanta have some advantages over, over other schools? Absolutely. Absolutely. To, to say that um, GAC and Duluth High School right down the street are exactly the same, there's no differences, is, is completely unreal. And so there are some differences. But there's also different challenges that people don't recognize and see um, and go from there. And there's a lot of misconceptions about, oh, it's easy to come to a private school. Um, it's easy to do this and whatnot. I had a young man a few years ago who was a starter for us um, and a good player and flunked out of school. Okay, flunked out of GAC his junior year and went and was immediately eligible on a team, a 7A Gwinnett school that went to the state championship because our academic standards are different. To be eligible at our place is different than to be eligible by GHSA standards. So kid got kicked out of school for academic, not fraud, just underperformance, walked into a Gwinnett 7A, started, and they went to the state championship that year. Um, he couldn't play for us. That's a small thing. Um, obviously, whether it's cost, whether it's whatever, what's the challenge of, 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 of trying to get people um, to be there? And so the solutions are, are tough. The reality is everyone wants a perfectly even playing field. Well, guess what? That doesn't exist anywhere in the world. You know what I mean? Um, that just doesn't happen. And if you guys remember, I grew up in North Carolina. It means I'm a racing fan. All right? So do you like a little bit of NASCAR? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I can remember they used to do this thing called the IROC series. I don't know if you guys remember that. Okay. It's international all race, race the championship. Same what? Car. There you go. They exactly right. So that's what it car. was. That's right. That's right. They raced the same car, and it was Indy drivers, it was NASCAR drivers, Formula One, whatever. And they raced the same car, and you know what? It lasted for a little while. And it was boring as crap. Okay, because they're all bunched up together and went from there. And finally, people wanted to see the Jeff Gordons and the Dale Earnhardt Her- and the Mario Andretti. They wanted to see people dominate because you either love them or you hate them, and go from there. You cannot level the playing field. It's impossible. And so to have an appropriate, what's an appropriate allotment um, for things here, there, whatever. Look, before I, before I come back to that, let me say this. Um, someplace where the waters get muddied a little bit is also with the other sports. So let's just be honest. In Georgia, football is going to drive the ship. Basketball and baseball are also pulling up the rear, but they're part of the ship. Okay. Not that the other sports aren't important. They're extremely important. And kids are involved. But when things get done and proposals get forth, it's because things have happened in those big sports. All right. Well, I'm telling you right now, the soccer team, whether it's 1A private, 3A private, 6A, 7A in Metro Atlanta is going to beat the South Georgia soccer team with equal size virtually every single time. Right. Why is that? Just because population. How many club soccer teams are here? What's the access to training? Blah, blah, blah. That kind of stuff. Right. The tennis teams. You pick the size of school in Metro Atlanta, and they're going to go beat the same size school up and down the court in tennis because of the same kind of things. The part of it is, is Metro versus other areas, and I see that. I do think you know, some level of adjustment, what we've been under, is if you have X you know, number of students outside of your uh, percentage of students outside of your service area, then you move up one classification. I think there's something reasonable that I think there's come a point when moving people up too much um, just makes it makes it silly. I know there's some independent schools that could possibly if you take some of the formulations that are being proposed right now, they could be lining up there, you know, thousand person private schools playing two thousand person public schools. Well, if it's golf, how bad is that going to hurt? Right. It is what it is. When you start talking about playing an entire football season. And one team is drawing from 2,000 students and one team is drawing from 1,000 students. And you're going to do that for 10 straight games in region play. 
that 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 don't make a whole lot of sense to me and and others. And so I think there's there's fair to have some level of movement, um, but maybe a one classification maximum. However, they calculate it and move it up rather than moving up teams two or even three. I think that makes it a little bit a little bit extreme. Agreed, Coach. Um, Coach Dudley stole my question there. I have, that was what I was wanting to ask. Sorry, you. buddy. That's all right. That's all right. That's good. Um, opens up for a new one. But, uh, so, Coach, here we are. We're all we're all getting ready and gearing up to to start pr- practice. I mean, I know for some reason we call it fall practice, but it's really not. It's in the. It's now 100 degrees. <laughs> Don't it's, feel like fall outside. Yeah, that's right. Go. It's the hottest part of the year. Practice. Um, Yes. No, but kind of like you, what, when are you starting? What are some of your objectives? How are you going to practice leading up into your scrimmage and your first game? How do you do it there at GAC? What works for you guys? It's good, man. It's good. Well, I think the first thing we try to do, man, we try to get to that scrimmage healthy. You know what I mean? We try to, we try to get to that scrimmage healthy. Um, you know, we'll have about 60 guys, 10 through 12 on our varsity team. Um, and I want every one of them there. You know, our guys are, a lot of them are two way players. So I lose, lose that offensive lineman. I also just lost the defensive lineman, whether he started or he rotated to provide depth. So we want to try to stay healthy. So it'll be wise and how much sort of full contact kind of stuff that we do and go from there. Um, I don't know about you guys. I'm doing things a little bit different this year because it all shifted. So, you know, the first game is, is a week later. So we're going to try to do something this year um, where we're actually not going to use any Saturdays. So we'll see. We, we may turn out and be 0-5 at the start of the year, and that was the worst idea ever. But, man, if we're not scrimmaging until, you know, the 15th, 16th of, of August, I think I can get it done during the week. And so our thought on that is by stringing together these really long weeks, you can, not guaranteed, but you can maybe avoid some of the soft tissue issues, tweaks and pulls and whatnot. So we're going to try to sort of go through that way and uh, and do that um the other thing we did and I'm, I'm glad that he agreed to do it with me so we scrimmage woodward academy every year uh john hunt's a good friend it's always a great scrimmage we're in the scheme of the world we're relatively similar in terms of offensive and defensive philosophy so it doesn't require too much preparation and it's always really competitive they always have a great squad and uh we're actually going to do it on thursday the 15th this year and that was my idea but he agreed to it so that we come in on Friday the 16th and we can watch it. I think that's the most valuable film of the year and break yeah. it down and watch it. And then, uh, and that's Saturday, but it can go home and sleep in, get my coaches a breather and then we'll come in on Sunday and get ready for week one. Um, but I always felt like that was a long go. You go the whole week, Friday night scrimmage. We always brought our whole crew in on Saturday, watch like four hours of film together and then right into the game plan on the next one. I think we got a little fatigue. So we moved that to Thursday, the NFL. The NFL, their fourth preseason game, none of them are Saturday or Sunday. They're always the previous Thursday. Some of that has to do with them cutting down to their 52-man roster. But we tried to steal that a little bit, steal an extra day in there. So those are a couple of adjustments that, that, that we're doing uh, to try to be wise and and, uh, and get us ready for game one, but, but still be healthy when we get there. I like that, Tim. Uh, one of the things I've tried to do over the course of this summer and in, in doing these podcasts is, is get a little free advice for my son. He's starting out as a young coach at Blessed Trinity over in Roswell. And if, if you've got a young guy, 22, 3, 4, just now getting in the business, what, was, uh, what would one piece of advice be that you would give them? Yeah, that's a great question, man. And, and here's what – I sound old here. Here's where a potential shift is in sort of the millennial generation, right, is people aren't patient, right? So everybody wants a title. I want to be the 
JV offensive coordinator slash varsity run game coordinator <laughs> slash whatever. Okay, cool, man. Sounds good. How about you show up and do your job? And, and I think it's this. I think it's my dad always said this. You want to be a great man? Be a great boy. Want to be a great president? Be a great vice president. And so, in other words, whatever postage stamp of responsibility you have, and it may be a postage stamp. It may be, hey, man, I'm in charge of the scout team. This is something I think you may learn in college because you sort of work through that GA kind of piece where you're young and you, your job is to run the scout team. I said, we have the best scout team punt block in America. We're going to be lined up. We're going to be ready to go. We're going to have a name. We're going to be enthusiastic. You know, we're going to have different schemes. We're going to have a cheer after we block one, whatever it is. Whatever you have, take that and run it to the hill. Like run it all the way through and be great with that. It's just a biblical principle of, you know, he's just, who manages a few talents, gets more talents and more talents. And so often guys are worried about, well, I want the keys to the car. Well, man, make sure that the back seat you're sitting in looks good first. You know what right. I mean? And then yeah. work from there, work from there. And the other thing is I think where young coaches can separate themselves is be somebody that looks to do things without being told. So just that, just have that initiative of like, hey, man, I'm going to help man, get the bags out early for practice. Or, hey, I'm going to sweep through and make sure we got everybody out as we come in. Or, hey, man, I'm going to pop in and just check on guys that are heading in the training room or whatever I can do. And Coach, I went ahead and broke that film down. I had it ready to go. I got it loaded. I got the cameras out and we're ready to roll. I got here early after seventh period planning. So we got things ready to go to put on the equipment truck and ready, ready to work. I know our manager is going to do it, but I want to help them out. Like, the, the things you can do to move yourself forward and separate yourself is, is pretty neat. And I think uh, we always say on our staff, it's amazing what you can accomplish when nobody cares who gets the credit. If you can start learning that at a, at a young age, um, it's big. We've got to the point in our team, like when we, we pull up, the equipment truck gets there and you pull it up. Like it's a contest, you can carry the most bags. Like I'm trying to beat the seniors or trying to beat whatever. Our freshman, sophomores end up carrying nothing. You know what I mean? Because we create a culture where that goes. And if I was a young coach, man, be a guy who's – pulling stuff off the truck and setting it up and doing this and, and making it go. So, Coach, that is uh, very Love. good, very good stuff right there. And it, so this it's going to lead into my last question that I was thinking as you were talking this morning, I was reading in Proverbs and, and you know, there's, you know, read the verse, everybody knows it, but Proverbs 22, 29, do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before Kings. He will not stand before obscure men. So I sit, I sat there and started pondering the word skill. And as we're heading into, you know, trying to get our teams ready to play games um, on Friday nights, you know, in the Twitter world, you know, I, I don't, I don't get too involved in the scheme talk in the Twitter world, but it's really what most coaches want to talk new schemes, new, this, new, this, new, this. And it's, um, and I'm just sitting there thinking, you know, it's scheme versus skill. Like, I was just thinking about, I started looking at my house. I'm like, you know, you can have a vision of a house, but it takes a million nails to get this thing built. And I, I don't even know, it might be more than a million. Um, but that's the, the daily diligent work of coaching your scheme and creating and developing and and all that kind of stuff. Talk about that a little bit, scheme versus skill, because I think a lot of coaches, they like to talk about scheme, but the hard part of coaching and the complicated part of coaching isn't drawing up on the board. It's getting your players technique right and all of that kind of stuff. 
Man, so you're so right. You're so right. I, I'll never forget this. As a as a young coach, I went to the ASCA National Convention. It was 2003, and they were honoring the national champion. Okay, and so the two that I remember because their contrast was the Division One national champion that year was LSU. Nick Saban, head coach. And I think we all have a sense of how Coach Saban does it, his process, the physicality, intensity that they do it. Clearly clear a successful way of doing business has been you know attempted to be replicated and all that kind of stuff the division three national coach of the year they were the national champions a guy named john gallardi if you've never heard that name john was the head coach for i think like 52 years at st john's in minnesota he's the winningest college football coach of all time one just short of 500 games wow okay and guys there's other good teams in there oh he's the middle of minnesota no there's other good teams there trust me and bottom line is he's beating everybody he plays his, his, he was known for his nose, no hitting in practice, no full speed tackling, no weight training, no wasting time stretching before. I mean, it was like the counterintuitive, whatever, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And what I said, no there practice I said, pants. There you go. I mean, you, you, I knew Ed would know what I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> so you don't know about him looking up. I mean, the guy was a hoop too. All right. Which I'll give you a funny story about him when we're done with this. But here's the deal. He goes, I look at these two. They're literal on the, on the football philosophy scheme scale. They're polar opposite. Polar opposite. And I tell you, who's right and who's wrong? Right. They're both right. They're both right. You know what it showed me? It matters more what the level of belief that you have in what you do than what you do. Now, again, if you did something completely unsound, it, it's not going to work, okay? But within a range, it's that. And not only that, it's how much buy-in did St. John's have in, this is what we do and this is what we don't do. We buy into the nose and we're going to go. And he did what 500 games doing it. How much buy into the other things? And so I think sometimes as coaches, we can forget that here's the latest play. Here's this. Hey, I'm watching Oklahoma State on Friday night and they ran this art or Saturday night and they did this RPO, blah, blah, blah. All right. How does that fit with you? How does that come together? What level of detail can you coach it? How can you carry that through? And it's not plays. It's players, and by players, it's not just a great player. It's their ability to follow through and execute really, really well. And nothing wrong with new scheme, man. We, you know, if you're not growing, you're, you're not living, and so you've got to continue to think and see how that fits in. But I guess part of it would just be able to give coaches confidence um, to just do things, to do things maybe the way they've done it, to maybe not change some things, to be open to changing some things. I was at a Glacier Clinic two years ago, and the guy – his opening salvo was, if you're in a huddle, you're an idiot. And I'm just like, <laughs> all right, I literally got myself and walked out, which we're yeah. no huddle, okay? We're no huddle in what we do. But all I know is I turn on Sunday, and those guys are in a huddle, and they're pretty freaking good at what they're doing. Right. And all those guys are idiots. So it's just like, man, no one's got the answers, right? So let's just sort of think through. So I think, I, Coach Gass, I, I'm totally agreeing with what you're saying in that. I guess my encouragement for coaches is just be confident in coaching the level of detail that you have and make your kids coach it back to you and coach it to each other. That's one of the most powerful things is it put them up on the board. We try to do that sort of during camp, put our quarterbacks on the board, put our receivers on the board. I know my route. Do you have any concept of where the other routes are? No. Well, that would be helpful if you're running smash. That you, why do I need to run a higher angle on my corner route? I have no idea what anybody else is doing. You need to know that. Lineman, okay, I know right guard. Do I know right tackle? Do I know center? At least some of it. We try to give that bigger perspective. So the more that we, how we do, how well we do what we do, I think is more important than just just the scheme. So let me give you a quick John Gillardi story. This is awesome. 
this is, this is great. Here's a, here's your joke that comes down there, all right? And so you get that picture. This, this is the AFCA National Convention, all right? So this is the, all of the best coaches in the whatever. There's probably 3,000 people in the crowd. He gets up. This, I'm going to recite his entire acceptance speech of National Coach of the Year, okay? He gets up. The first thing he says is this. He goes, behind every successful man is a very surprised mother-in-law. What? I don't get it. So think yeah, about that. No doubt. You get yeah. that, right? So, in other words, your, your wife's mother didn't think you were going to amount to anything, so she's really surprised that you're any good. All right? I so that's, that's classic Minnesota humor right there, okay? Classic Minnesota humor. And then he tells a quick story. The story is this, because this is my first year coaching at um, uh, St. John's. They uh, give me the uh, – at the end of the game, we're up by a lot. We're at our own 10, and I tell our third-string quarterback, I said, listen, run three – three quarterback sneaks and punt the ball. Let's just, you know, not run the score up. Let's go from there. They run a quarterback sneak and the guy runs like 20 yards. They don't run a quarterback sneak. Guy gets like 30 yards. They run another quarterback sneak. Guy gets down to the 15 yard line. On the next down, the guy punts the ball to the back of the end zone. Three quarterback sneaks and punt the ball, right? He comes over the sideline. He says, QB, what what, what were you thinking? He goes, what a stupid coach St. John's hired. And then the guy sits down. Then the guy sits down. Doesn't say thank you to anybody. That's his entire speech. And that's just classic Minnesota humor. But I thought those are those are pretty good. The old line of uh, behind a successful man is a very surprised mother-in-law. That's a that's a pretty good one. Man. I think that one's pretty funny. That's a classic. You know, Tim. He's uh, his book is called uh, Call Me John. Uh, he's famous, old old school, and just uh, just an off the wall kind of coach, but very consistent in running that split back offense, and they did it great for so many many years. Uh, just want to give you a thank you. You could be a repeat offender here on the podcast, so uh, we may be back in touch with you soon. Uh, want to tell you thanks for being about all the right things, God, family, and, and of course football and. And appreciate your friendship over a long time from recruiting my players to being such a great coach over there at GAC. Well, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. I'd love to come come back, Don. I think what you guys are doing and the perspective you're doing uh, you're doing it with is, is outstanding. And I, I, it's an honor to be on. Thanks for your time. Yeah, Coach. Appreciate it. Um, if you don't mind, I'll pray for us as we as we head off. Be great. Lord, we come before you today. Just want to praise and thank you for loving us, Lord. We praise and thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins. Lord, I praise and thank you um, for Coach, Lord, and all that you're doing in his life and what you're doing through him at GAC. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would just uh, give him a great year this year as he ministers to those boys and uh, Lord, makes them better men each and every day. I pray for the other coaches out there on this uh, that are listening to this podcast. Lord, I pray that you would be with them. And uh, Lord, that we all would coach uh, for the right reasons and, and not just to win football games, but to build men. Uh, Lord, I pray that you, uh, like Coach said, keep our boys safe in August as we practice in the heat and getting ready for our first games, Lord. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Appreciate it, Coach. Amen. Amen. Appreciate you guys. Yes, sir. Thank you, man.
Shit. 